Let's go ahead and get started. So, <laughs> hello, my quarantine friends. Uh, I guess this is coming to you live from different places around the state. Uh, this is the Writer's Nook with the Yukon Writer Society. Uh, I'm not, oh, we're about like one person now, but we have two extra to make up for it. Uh, this is your engineer extraordinaire, Gary Medina, and whoever would like to introduce themselves first, go right ahead. I am Janie Mary. Hello, I'm Allie Dethridge. Hello, I am Melissa Ike. And I am Natalie Griffin. So, as you know, we've all been uh, locked in and haven't been able to do it because, I don't know, I'm the type of person who prefers to do podcasts in person. I'm not a fan of, like, recording stuff from far away or whatever, but it is what it is, and that's the situation. But I want to thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, taking a look at the questions and playing along with my little scheme here. <laughs> thank you again. Uh, so, yeah, that's a bit of the introduction, uh, you know. We're all doing our best and trying to uh, make the best out of this whole situation. But I remember I asked you guys a question a long time ago of, uh, you know, who were the protagonists that you picked that you felt resonated with you, who were your favorite, and, you know, who did you pick? So whoever would like to take it, I mean, go right ahead. Someone else, because <laughs> I can't find my answer. It's all good. <laughs> I said Jane Eyre. You said Jane Eyre? Very uh, nice. So why did you why did you pick Jane Eyre? The question was my favorite protagonist. Yeah, Jane Eyre. Jane is a woman who is very mission driven. She's driven by her faith. She trusts God. Um, I related to those things. She takes some risks. She breaks out of society's norms and expectations for her in order to do what she thinks is right to pursue her calling to better herself. Uh, she's bullied by numerous people in her youth. She doesn't allow it to uh, destroy her sense of purpose. She doesn't allow it to um, um, to destroy her sense of her own self-worth and her calling in the world. She manages to maintain her integrity and character, her compassion for others, her desire to do the right thing, even though people were not compassionate with her, did not do the right thing in treating her. Um, and she has a heart for service. And then she uh, uh, falls in love with this man who she's working for. And he had, I don't want to give any spoilers of this book that was written. <laughs> like, this got to be close to 200 years ago. I don't actually know. I'm pretty sure 19th century. Um, and he has some, uh, there are some issues that would prevent it from them being together. And... So she has to choose between her character, her integrity, her morals, and love. And she's like, no, I'm going to do what I think is right. And, um, yeah, she just, she's very immovable in her character. I really respect that. Um, always maintains compassion. And then, you know what? Things work out for her in the end. No, so I'm do. like, fingers crossed, right? Oh, I don't sure. know what my fingers are crossed for. My life is great. 
but like just the things will work out if you continue to do what you think is right, which is as a one on the Enneagram is what drives me. So uh, if we have any Enneagram speak in here, any listeners who like it, hardcore one. Heck yeah. Everybody in my Sunday school class, they just, they live their life by the Enneagram. I don't know if I, I think it has definitely helped me understand myself for sure. So I think that's it. I think there are aspects I relate to, and then there are ways that she's better than me, and I wish I was more like that. Okay, very cool, very cool. And then uh, would anyone else? Like, I'll say my pick because I didn't really answer the question, my own question. I saved it for this podcast right here, right now. But I'll wait until we get through the other ones. So who would like to go next? Oh, we got I can go. Oh, snaps. I actually picked... Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games. I think she's my favorite um, just because she surprised me so much. Like, I had never read a book where the protagonist was so, like, unlikable as a person. And I thought she was very, like, cold and distant. And, um, but she also, like, always explained herself very well. and she always stood up for truth and justice. And she had this deep compassion for her sister and, like, a deep love for her sister, and which was very surprising from the rest of her character. And she blew me away. I, never, I had never read a protagonist like her and haven't since. So you know the <clears> – <throat> excuse me. So you know the, the crazy thing about it? Like, with Jane Eyre, it makes sense for Melissa because, you know, I could see a lot of those traits being, you know, applied to Melissa as well. Like the the conviction and just trying to do the best as possible, but you, Allie, you're much more likable. <laughs> but I imagine like uh, you get a lot of enjoyment just from her drive and her compassion for her younger sister and all that. I mean, that's what I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I think I like it because it's so different and because it's so um, unexpected in a in a main character. And I really, yeah, I just liked the the surprise. I liked my expectations being inverted. Very nice. Uh, Nat, do you want to go next? Or? Uh, sure. So I changed my answer. <gasps> I did. Um, I'm choosing Abby Bardo from uh, my currently favorite book ever, Under the Midnight Sky. Um, and why I choose her is her perseverance. Uh, no one believes her that this girl who ran away is actually in danger and is missing and possibly dead. And she keeps trying to find her, keeps trying to find her and no one will believe her and just keep going. You're crazy. She's a runaway. And she just keeps fighting no matter what, no matter what social awkwardness she gets into, just no matter what, she just keeps, keeps trucking to figure this out. And she really impactful to me. Oh, very nice. And, you know, with, everything going on i mean one can make the case that you also uh you know exhibit those kinds of traits as well as from what i've noticed if, if i make it a personal thing and <laughs> to answer the question yes yes i am <laughs> i got a, a group message that says i'm recording i am don't worry we're, we're all good <laughs> and then uh jd do you want to go i found my answer it was like scrolling for five minutes straight because it was so far back (laughs) because I didn't remember because I threw out like four different things for you Uh, I did remember one it was Toru Honda 
um, because I asked for you to clarify if it was okay to pick from graphic novels or anime. And so I picked her. She's my OG girl. Um, I love her because she is just the meekest, most humble, kindest, soft-hearted person ever, like, imagined. And she is what the story is all about. Like, the whole family depends on her, and they don't know how to break this curse. Well, it's through her, like, unconditional love and acceptance of everybody and... um, anyway eventually wears down and breaks the curse that's on the family and i don't know i just thought it was so nice to see a positive kind character put in the spotlight and um and not let you know the bad things change her you know and like push her to uh, i don't know change her morals or or who she is as you know at, at her core uh I still went the manga route, and I said Kyo from Blackbird. He's very passionate. He is all about the love of his life, and it was just so exciting to, and it's very much into, like, girl YA market demographic, and um, it was just exciting to see that he would just, just bend over backwards, take on the entire world just to save the life of his well, she eventually comes his his wife, um, and then for I, w- I went and found a book, an actual book character for you, um, Shiro from Red, Win- Red Winter. Um, I love that trilogy, and he is just an awesome protagonist. He, uh, well, he's not powerful at the beginning, um, but that's part of the story arc. Uh, he he's got his. Um, his magic and powers locked up inside of him, but he doesn't know it. Like it's, it's a spell that was cast on him. Anyway, it's very cool. And he's, he's a cool guy. Like how can you not root for him? So those were, Oh, and then I added one later. I forgot. It was (laughs) because I watched this movie with Luke. It was the Croods, this like computer animated. I don't know if it's Disney or, DreamWorks? Be, yeah, I think it might be DreamWorks. Okay. Well, it came out years ago, but it's um, cavemen, you know, about cavemen, but there's, like, a slightly advanced caveman, I guess, like, uh, what what is that in the next evolution? Like, early man? Is that what they call that? Early man? Something like like that, Neanderthal, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, so his name is Guy, because he's the smart guy of the group, and... Um, <laughs> And his family, uh, they, his past, I guess they don't really cover besides that they're they're gone, they died. And so he's all alone. He has a sloth. He's, he's just so ingenious and inventive. But there's this one scene where I was like, that is like the coolest intro. Because he had given this conch shell to the main girl, who's voiced by Emma Stone, my girl. <laughs> and... And he had said, you know, if you need my help, just just blow and use this horn. And so these birds, I think the, it's like flesh-eating birds are coming down at the at the caveman family. And so she blows the shell, and and he hears it off. And so like this the camera, I don't know if I can call it a camera. Anyway, it shows him, and he's like oh, here, and he like rushes up, and he has like this awesome acrobatic like entrance as he like whoosh, swishes some. 
a torch and the birds like disperse all around the family. It was just like the epitome of like, yeah, that guy's cool. So (laughs) he had to be on the list too. So Janie's favorite main characters are dudes who show up for their women. (laughs) Yeah. Or super nice girl, like super nice girl. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. No, it's kind of a person. It's just kind of like a description of you and you and Phil. Basically. Oh, real. It is crazy how revealing like our favorite characters really are. (laughs) All right, guys. Uh, Maybe Allie's maybe Allie likes Katniss because she wishes she could kind of just like punch people. (laughs) Just be like, be mean sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta get out some of this pent up aggression. I mean, the way you hug people, I mean, I'm not surprised there's some built-up animosity there. There's, like, a little bit of anger underneath. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I'll go ahead and reveal, like, my favorite character. Not really a protagonist, but more of a mentor role. It is uh, Brant Fitzroy from the Harbinger series. Uh, it was a series of books, like, I pounded through them, like, five in one go. And out of all the characters, he was probably my favorite. And I think it was mainly because he led with compassion more than anything. Like, he had the standard stock of, like, a badass that you expect from, a, you know, from an older guy. But in a universe full of cruel people, he was one of the few that actually showed kindness to the main character, which was a little girl or whatever. And, you know, he took her in and became a father figure. But I don't know, like, because uh, I know, you know, we're used to seeing all these badasses and never show weakness or kindness but the fact that his strength came from compassion i thought was really cool and uh you know he had a lot of good life lessons there was one i remembered about you know rules are rules but you know they never apply to who you are as a person you know it's just a really cool thing so brand Fitzroy is probably uh my favorite protagonist or not really protagonist but character at least in literature for sure uh <laughs> if we're going into more depth or whatever also not a protagonist actually a villain my favorite literary character from comic books or anywhere is Doctor Doom, uh, just because because oh. uh, I appreciate his flaw of ambition. He's extremely ambitious to a fault, and like it bites him in the butt all the time. But there's something really like uh, endearing about his never quit attitude, no matter like how defeated he is. <laughs> so he's probably my favorite because of that. But is there a particular version of him you like? Uh, probably the one. There's an issue where he went up against, like, the equivalent of, like, just powerful deities. They're called the Eternals or whatever. And the panel shows him this tiny little speck on, like, a big platform or whatever. And the Eternals just looming over him. And I think I think he takes, like, a Bible verse and kind of, like, warps it into his version. Something about what man hath built, let gods put asunder or whatever. Just switching the words up or whatever. And that's what made him my favorite, like, for all history. Oh, That's really cool. Interesting. Yeah, yeah something about I, I love the trope of like the mortal man going against powerful beings, you know, and like only using yeah. his intelligence to win, you know. It's really a good one. You would like the Red Winter trilogy? It's Japanese gods, but the main character is human, and what's she gonna do? Well, she does a lot, so you should read this book. <laughs> but um, I liked uh, the live action movie, not the newer one, but the older one, like. I don't know, early 2000? Yeah. It had that, it had that hot guy as Mr. Fantastic, <laughs> but they had Cole. His name wasn't Cole, but he played Cole in Charmed. Anyway, he played Dr. Doom. And I like that version of Dr. Doom. 
Maybe because he was also an attractive man, but <laughs> <laughs> it always makes a difference. Just I'm, look, I'm looking up the actor right now on IMDb. I gotta see. <laughs> Melissa, did you not watch Charmed? Send me a link. I haven't seen it either. I uh, I've seen a few episodes here and there. The supernatural stuff usually isn't really my thing, but uh, I like saw enough episodes to kind of have an understanding, basically. But I don't know who the individual character. Interesting. That's like classic. What late nineties, early two thousand, like <laughs> show. Show of shows. Well, Melissa, feel free to. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Melissa, feel free to blow up our spot whenever you find the answer. I'm down with that. (laughs) All right. So, moving on to the next question, uh, and you you guys take your time uh, trying to figure this one out. But which fictional world would you most like to inhabit? And like, you know, just kind of thinking about because I asked this on the Facebook uh, group, not the R group, but like on the YWS page. And, you know, I wanted to get more into the nitty-gritty because everyone picked their answers, but I think a question nobody really thinks about is, like, what role or job would you like to take up in a world if you were not limited by current circumstances, whether it be physical or mental or spiritual? What's up, Melissa? You got your hand Hello, up. it is Julian McMahon, and I have sent his photo to all, all of you on the Facebook thread, the end. But, yeah. <laughs> People on the podcast are like, what? You said to, you said to blow up our spot Heck when yeah. I found it, and then you moved on, and I waited until you were done speaking and asking your next question, and now we can go back to the question. For sure, for sure. She blew it up. But, yeah, like, uh, just considering your own, like, you know just your own circumstance of where you are in life, like, what, realistically, what role or job would you take in this fictional universe that you want to live in. And I see Nat is, yeah, burning. Question. Yeah. Can it be one that you made? Oh, heck yeah. Does it have to, or does that. it have to be one that's actually out in the world right now? No, let's do it. Like, what you got, Nat? I'm thinking I have a world um, in which I have fairies and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> I have spent... I yeah, I have my own species of fairies and I would love to be one of them. All right, heck yeah. Nice. Like would you ward off intruders? Would you like help people out? Like what would you do in this world? Hmm, would you groom their pets? <laughs> Probably <laughs> pet butterflies and dragonflies and stuff, I guess. Um it depends on what story that I have set in that world that I inhabit specifically on what I would do because the different stories I have in that world are all very different circumstances um just throughout time very different circumstances that are going on to these creatures at the time but in all honesty if I just pick one I'd probably wield water and that would be really cool and (laughs) probably end up fighting depending on what world it is again oh man uh, just because i wouldn't have a choice but it'd be cool that sounds awesome like getting really good job of twisting the question like that like i didn't even consider like what if it was your own world like um oh uh it's saying that my time will end in 10 minutes uh like if that does happen i'll just hit you guys with the link again and you know we'll start it up again um okay. but if it were me like i want to go to the fallout universe because i think it's really cool i like the vibe there and knowing myself 
I would either be a farmer out of the way and just not getting into any conflicts or whatever, or I would try to be a leader of a band of raiders, you know, because, you know, <laughs> it's fun. I don't know. It's fun to just kind of run up on people. <laughs> that sounds awful. But, <laughs> but you know, like, I'm just thinking of like my own realistic circumstances. And when it comes to like people meeting me for the first time and, you know, they don't know me very well they see my size and they're like you're you make a good bodyguard you know protect me or whatever so i think i would fall into that kind of crowd just because of my size they would see me as protection or whatever so i see myself naturally becoming a raider for sure but you're so reasonable in that case i like that's why i would vie for leadership i would use you know i would use my talking abilities to negotiate and whatnot well, okay. His henchman would do all the dirty work. <laughs> Gary's in just in charge of the gang. <laughs> mafia. Gary's mafia. And then, Jenny, did you have an answer? I did. Oh my gosh. You said vibe, and it made me think of my answer. I was vibing with Pokemon. So, my nerd colors are flying high with these questions. <laughs> but do it. <laughs> Oh, but I would love um, to come live with you in the Pokemon world. I had like this discussion would be something my brothers and I would focus and have long conversations about when we were kids because we were thinking in the fantasy or fictional world, what would and we 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 threw logic in and we're like, all right, if you were like in the Tolkien world. You don't really have control what race you would end up. Like, I guess you could be a hobbit and that would, you know, I mean. Well, the logic was, if you're in the Pokemon world, everybody has a level, like, everybody has access to Pokemon. Like, you can do whatever you want in that world. Um, But if you were in, okay, maybe Tolkien was a bad example. Uh, um, Like a Marvel Universe. You, I mean, not everybody has powers in the Marvel universe or not everybody's a mutant or not everybody, you know, like the stories we see are the focus because those are special people, you know, like they have the emergent power or, or what have you. So we thought Pokemon, everybody, it's a free for all, like everybody's special because everybody can have Pokemon and they work like they, you know, it's in every job, like Pokemon are implemented. So, um, I don't know. It just made me think of these nostalgic childhood discussions with my brothers of like, yeah, yeah, you could like be on a farm and help Pokemon would help you on the farm or you could be. Why would, of course, you know, like all most of the population would probably go after those gym badges, Pokemon masters. But I was telling Gary the answer to my to this question earlier this week and I'd be like, Ash was terrible at being a Pokemon master. (laughs) Like, if you watch the show, he didn't catch, like, but a tiny percentage of the actual Pokemon available. Like, he bypassed so many and didn't care about if they evolved. And it's just like, no, no, that's not what the title of Pokemon master is. (laughs) So, anyway, I didn't mean to get fired up about that, but. No, no, that's awesome. (laughs) So great. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, you about to jump in? Yeah, I actually would love to inhabit um, Camp Half-Blood from the Percy Jackson series. Mm, okay. Ooh, you know Camp Half-Blood. 
Yeah, it's um, uh, in this story uh, a lot of a lot of like this the main character Percy Jackson. He finds out he's a demigod, like his father is Poseidon, so he's half of a, he's half Greek god. And there's this like camp where like all the children, like all the demigods that are like half Greek god, get together and like learn more about like you know their um, their parents and. Greek mythology and they learn how to fight and it's just it's really cool and I I love that universe I love that there's just like Greek gods like hiding around (laughs) everywhere yeah Yeah. and um, I would love to like to work there as like some like something undercover in some way like discovering other people that are undercover or just being essentially a spy, I think, would be really cool in that world. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I feel like we're learning a lot about you, Allie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. She should be on the podcast more often. Yeah. <laughs> There's clearly more to delve into here. Um, uh, so my first thought was that I would want to specifically inhabit La Florian in Lord of the Rings. Cause I really like the trees and living in the trees. And that was something yes. I used to kind of imagine as a child, but I was like, well, let me break out of that and try and think of something else. I actually thought of this town in Dungeons and Dragons called Waterdeep. Mm. Um, a couple campaigns I played a few years back. Uh, we spent a lot of time in Waterdeep and, it's just, you know, it's a coastal town. It's vibrant. It's supposed to be, like, kind of the jewel of whatever in D&D. Um, just really beautiful. All kinds of, like, opportunity and interesting people. Um, and so I was thinking about your answer. Let me let me consult my notes, Gary. Um, I'm like, okay, I would jump in and be, like, an influencer in the royal court if I could. Oh, if I just yeah. do whatever. And, like, I don't know take whatever magical spell selfies there are, like have parties and stuff. But if I were to take what was most likely, I'd be like an advocate for the poor or something like that and have like a safe house for women. (laughs) You know, feeding the poor because, of course, I would. And would you ask the question, would I try to advance myself? Of course I would. So that I can, you know... That's Melissa. Help more people and stuff, because I can't not. Because I can't not. I can't not. Ooh, can I elaborate? Yeah. Okay. Okay, because Phil made a valid point. If you can control what world, why would you not be able to control what race? So, I think what I put out there, maybe talking to my brother, so I was probably, like, totally in love and enamored with Aragorn, and I was like, I want to be Arwen in the... L-O-T-R world and um, they probably countered with like no she already exists in that world you just have to be you know a being in the world like Janie in Rivendell or you know what have you so it's like I couldn't like take over somebody's life that's already there so maybe that's what they meant like but if it's Pokemon world it's just like it's fine I think but. you could steal Aragorn away from Arwen. Oh! N-B-D. BT dubs. I was a Legolas girl, and Legolas oh. doesn't have it. Yes! That's so maybe very I should true. go and inhabit with Lorien, and then the guy, the fellowship comes by, and I'm like, 
yo, what's up? Like a loss. Hit yeah. Me hit me back after you get rid of the ring and the stuff and whatever. And instead <laughs> of going off with Gimli, he'd be like, I'm going to go check out Lothlorien again. <laughs> Janie, this is a very positive um, elaboration. Thanks. All right, guys, uh, just real quick. I got like a minute and a half left on this. I'm just going to go ahead and close it out now and just send the link again. So uh, just be uh, on the lookout for that. So. All right, we'll just hey. keep chit-chatting about Legolas while you're gone. Do it. <laughs> oh, wait, not if you close this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It'll only be a we'll little We'll be bit. in the messenger. We'll okay. just start dropping memes about Legolas. Okay. okay. <laughs> so right now the ladies are sharing a bunch of uh, Legolas pictures. It's very popular with the ladies. Not surprised. I believe it is Orlando Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> all right everybody's hopped back on and just spamming the heck out of orlando bloom <laughs> uh, <laughs> morgan's like what's going on <laughs> did you expect much shells from us <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man i'm just gonna type that the podcast has become <laughs> i think okay melissa's waiting all right <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of fun with those um, Orlando Bloom chips. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I even said to the recorder, like, yeah, it just became Orlando Bloom Appreciation Day. You know, <laughs> I saw pirates in theater three times for one reason and one reason only. Are going to be another pirates? Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm going to have to mute if you're going to be <laughs> loud. Oh, Gary, your camera is a little different this time. You know, I'm just going to have to buy an aftermarket one and just plug it up somewhere and just, you know, yeah, yeah it's just not going to work with this. But uh, uh, just to con- kind of continue on, like, you guys gave really good uh, answers um, of which world you'd like to have it. And apparently, you know, Hanging out with Legolas is a big motivation for some of you guys. <laughs> I don't understand why you're laughing right now. Oh, this is very serious. Okay. Melissa. <laughs> 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 dead serious about her Legolas. Mm-hmm. Well, we're about to get a little dead serious here, if you don't mind. Uh, I asked, also asked, uh, what story has mentally uh, titillated you? I mean, just like... It could be like in a, on an emotional level, or it can be on like a on a craftsman level, where it, like just the way they handled everything. Uh, I mean, whoever wants to take it, like you know, I had to take a lot of time to think about this one too, and yeah. Okay, uh, okay. I chose um, Fritz Basket when you put this question out there. Um, was this also in the Yukon Writers Group? Uh, yes, I think. I think so. I think it was. Because um, I was like, nobody's really going to know what I'm talking about. But it's a graphic novel series from Japan. And it caught me at a young age because there's this huge cast of characters. But they all grow and change. And I just remember, I don't know, the way the author and th- they... The psychological development that the characters go through was so realistic. Right. Um, there's, I mean, legit trauma they go through. Um, there's Toru, my girl, that's just like <laughs> pulling them out of that um, 
um, hurt and pain, and that's just so deep-seated. I, okay. I'm talking about something very serious, and there's a dog in your face. <laughs> very large dog. Thank you, Axel. Um, yep. Got distracted. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just I just felt like I those characters were so real because the struggles and problems they went through, um, even though on one side it was, you know, fantastical because it was like this, you know, magical curse placed on the family. But then there's stuff like happening at school or like friendships or relationships torn, you know, like that side of it, that view of it was very much like I can relate to. I can see that. I feel the hurt with the characters. Um, I celebrate with them when good things happen. Um, so I picked the fruits basket world. Um, Oh, there was a secondary thought I had. Oh, I like the Red Winter World, too. That was very cool. It was all just beautifully designed. Uh, so that's it. Those are my two picks. Oh, man. Who wants to hop on? Uh, oh, we got Allie first. Sorry, Nat. We'll go with Nat next. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually picked the um, the series I'm reading right now. It's the Lunar Chronicles, which starts with the book... Cinder by Marissa Meyer. Um, I picked up this book. All I knew was that it was loosely based on Cinderella and that the character that plays the Cinderella was a cyborg. And when I started reading it, which was at the beginning of quarantine, I opened it up and realized that this book is about a pandemic. (laughs) And that like blew me away. And just everything they were going through in there was like, I could relate to it. And it was just, it was crazy timing that it happened like that, and uh, that 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 got to my head a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, like, uh, was there anything, like, in the way they crafted the story that kind of spoke to you or, like, made you think, like, hmm, maybe if I tried that? Um, hmm, I don't know about that, because... Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'm stumped. Well, we'll circle around because uh, yeah. you know uh, Nat sent a message there. Nat, if you want to hop on, you know, just do your thing. Um. Okay. Um. My book that I'm going to choose is still going to be the Under the Midnight Sky. Mm-hmm. Um. It it's one of those books that I read about a year ago, and it's still I think about it all the time, and I absolutely loved it. Um. And my brain broke and I have to remember what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> Repeat it for her, Gary. Yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead and uh, just jump right on. So, like, what All story right. has mentally titillated you? Like, was it the theme that kind of stuck with you? Uh, did it speak to you at the time that you consumed it, whether it be your personal developments, world events, or just the culture around you? Or what tips or knowledge did you kind of take from it? I think... What really stuck with me, what made it stick with me, is just the fact, one, there's a Shayla in it, which made me very excited. (laughs) And secondly, it's just the whole story in general was so driving and so intriguing. It's one of those that I couldn't put down. Um, Granted, I listened to it through an audiobook. I finished, it's one of those big, thick books, Mm -hmm. and I finished it in a day, audiobook format-wise. And I was completely obsessed um i think just the fact you follow two different storylines and you're trying to solve a murder on one but also you're finding out how the murder 
another murder happened like 50 years ago at the same time. And you're just rooting for all these characters and you have no idea what's going on. And you're just, yeah. So I don't think that spoke to the time I'm living in exactly, but it was good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Like you guys have such good answers, but the one I came up with, because I was thinking about it on a drive home, uh, was uh, actually Community. And it's not even a story, it's a series. Uh, I first discovered it. <laughs> Melissa, Allie, they're, they're wigging out. I think it's- wow. No spoilers. No spoilers. I just finished season one. <laughs> okay, okay. No, don't worry. I'm going to talk. Allie, I have to talk to you. But also, I was going to say Community, Gary, so I'll follow up after. Okay, okay. Ooh. Like, I'll just tell about, like, the time that I kind of watched it. I, like, uh, I first moved out at 22 uh, went to, my, you know, had my own place or whatever with a roommate. And I remember the day I was moving out of that apartment, I just had it on. Uh, and I stayed up the entire night just watching it. Like, and yeah, you know, I was cleaning out my room and just had it on. And like, there were some lessons there that really stuck with me, particularly like, and I know no one's favorite character is Pierce, but I'll be completely honest, like, He's not my favorite either, but I relate to him on certain things. Like, oh man, I do that. <laughs> it's one of those like uh, looking at yourself in the mirror kind of moments. Where you're like, I do that, and like just kind of the way. Oh, we got we got uh, a new challenger is approaching. But yeah, that's it. Just came at the right time when I was like in my early twenties, and I just saw it, and uh, you know that was it. And then we, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new challenger. This morning nap. Oh my gosh. How goes it? Dark and siesta. Good. Oh man. Like, uh, I'll, I'll fill you in in just a little bit because I know, like, uh, Natalie has to go soon and so does Melissa. Uh, Melissa, you're going to follow up on what I said? Yeah, okay. Okay. But my answer is multifold. So, in terms of writing, community. Oh, wait. Is this the same question, though? Yeah, like... No, you had a different question that I was going to answer with community. Hang on. No, well, okay, maybe I'm confused. But anyway, community is a a show that when I watch it, it makes me want to create things. Yes. Because of Dan Harmon's writing and genius. But when I was thinking about, like, um, stories that titillated me, I would think for me it would be Parks and Rec. No show has ever moved me so much, make me laugh, and then also make me want to be a better person. Uh, They had a special on last night, and I was like, this makes me want to become a better human being. Um, So that probably overall the the character arc of Leslie Nope is something that has – that I started watching in law school, and then um, as I was taking steps toward getting involved in the anti-trafficking movement and – um, you know, setbacks and overcoming, oh gosh, uh, overcoming all kinds of setbacks and challenges and uh, imposter syndrome and just kind of getting tired. It's always a show I can come back to because she's a character who really seeks to do good and has a lot of stuff that gets thrown in her way and she just keeps pressing on. But then also I wanted to give it as a runner up. And Shayla had mentioned this too. It's really nonfiction stories more than fiction that tend to stay with me mm-hmm. the most. Cause I, my favorite genre to read are memoirs, especially of creative people. And the story that I think has stuck with me the most is Felicia day creator of the guild. 
um, who has written, which was like a pioneer web series. Mm-hmm. Um, and her creative process, the story of what she went through to make her own thing rather than waiting for someone to give her permission to do so. I found that so incredibly inspiring. It was a, a had a big impact on inspiring me and motivating me and writing my own memoir. And so her, I'll think about her story a lot. I answered like three different things. No, no, that's, that's awesome. Like, I'm really glad you took the question to heart. Uh, like Morgan, are you kind of caught up? Like, do you have uh, an answer ready? Oh, snaps. She nodded. Yes. Your, your mic is cut off. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, we're at the part, um, what story has mentally tilted you? Are we there? Yeah. Yeah. We're right there. All right. Um, I would really have to go with all the pretty horses by Cormac McCarthy. Um, it, that story to me really pulls me in strictly of the theme that this man wrote things and actually could put my soul onto a paper. Mm-hmm. And I had never read anything like that before. Um, you know, the story involves cowboys. So as it well as a whole entire border trilogy, but the way that he described animals and the general surroundings that kind of play into or foreshadow what some of the characters are going to be going through is really beautifully done, and it really just comes from a an author that has such an appreciation for you know just animals and plants in general. But the stories themselves are just so raw and real that they almost hurt reading them sometimes. Fighting <laughs> <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Sorry, um, but. I think I feel like the tips or just knowledge that I took from it really is just God, this is so hard to describe because I had an idea of what I was going to (laughs) say and it's kind of, it's hard to say it now, but just he doesn't care about, you know, all of these context clues and he doesn't care about grammar or putting a comma or a period here or doing any, anything that you just read it. And some people hate it because you don't know who's speaking. He just writes the dialogue out and there are no, there are no context clues as to, you know, he said this or this character said that. None of that's in there. It's just the dialogue is there. And it took me a little while to process what he was doing because at first I was like, wow, this, I don't know what's going on. Mm. But after a while, it really solidifies the voices of each character. And I just really, really love that about all of his novels and especially all the pretty horses. So it would be fair to say that he kind of uh, inspired a sense of, like, fearlessness in your own writing, right? Uh, I'm working on that. Um, (laughs) No, definitely not. Um, 
I think the only thing that I fear feel fearless with would be maybe descriptions of settings and details like you know, people are, you will say, oh my gosh, Tolkien took three pages to describe this tree. And I'm just like, yes, I love all of that. And it just annoys some people. So um, I think I've kind of developed that, but that's, you know, different author, but still we can throw him out there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Like uh, you guys have some really thoughtful answers and just really went after it. And I appreciate that. Um, I guess... We're going to move on to the fun part. We we had our veggies. Now it's time to get to the cake. And <laughs> I don't know if this is... I, I'm sure you guys have been thinking about this one a lot. But uh, let's go ahead and fantasy cast your book. <laughs> and when you complete your book, who do you see in your cast? I will leave it up to whoever wants to take it first. We see Allie. Go ahead, Allie. Okay, so uh, when I thought of the idea for my fantasy novel, I actually had just watched Sucker Punch. And I wrote my main character envisioning Abby Cornish. <laughs> so in my head, my main character is always Abby Cornish. She's always, like, kind of has, like, the same, like, badassery as Sweet Pea from Sucker Punch. Very yeah. nice. Who would you cast as your antagonist? Who would be your bad guy? Oh, I don't know. In, in my head, he's still, like, his face is still very vague. He's just this I, idea for right now. Yeah, yeah, I haven't... Um, I haven't figured him out yet. All right. Heck yeah. Uh, anyone else want to take it? Oh, we got Nat. What you got, Nat? Oh, I am horrible at this. Absolutely. This is one of those things that people ask me, even for my own stories, like, who would you cast? And I'm like, I'm too picky. I'm far too picky. No one matches up with exactly what I see in my head. But I do have, for the love interest in... This the under the midnight sky. I have an idea for him, but that's it. And it would be let's see if I can even say his name correctly. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I could see that. Um, but other than that, I have no earthly idea who I would cast as the female. Um, I I don't really know. No one's good enough. Well, well, let's go ahead and build her. Like, uh, what what does she look like in your head? Uh, she's got brown hair, pale skin, um, kind of stands tall, thin frame. So in other words, plenty could fit, but I don't know. Like they just have to have that, and Melissa, excuse my French, a je ne sais quoi about them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I, I just uh, Googled actresses with brown hair, and I can kind of see, uh, like, at Princess Diaries era Anne Hathaway, maybe. Oh, uh, Melissa, making it through. Called that. I just typed Anne Hathaway <laughs> in the comments. Yes, I could You're see. Welcome. I could see a young version of her in it, um, but I don't. I don't really know. Um, it's one of those things that say the author in the long run doesn't really have the choice. Right. Of who gets who gets cast as who, so it's kind of like whoever they choose is who we get to attach with it. So that's that. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the Anne Hathaway and Shia LaBeouf. Okay, very, very interesting picks. And then uh, Melissa, did you want to go ahead if you had something? <laughs> so here's my thing. I'm writing a memoir. Right. That's my only active book. So I'm like, who do I cast to play me? Oh man. It's got to be somebody who can be uptight enough 
right? Yeah. They have to be natural at being pretty, like, uptight. And, uh... Leslie, no. FYI. I get, right? <laughs> Just cast her in character as <laughs> Leslie Nope playing, Amy Poehler playing Leslie Nope playing Melissa. Like, honestly, she could probably do. I feel like she's almost too funny or something, but um, but yeah, okay, think that's nice. I mean, it's say. But I'm like, I guess maybe I could see <sighs> they also have to be like, okay with laughing at themselves. You have to, like, believable that they would laugh at themselves. And so someone I thought of, have you ever seen Crazy Stupid Love where Emma Stone is like in the process of taking a bar exam? And so I'm like, you could see her delivering a speech well, being uptight and being driven, but also like laughing at herself because she's also kind of goofy, maybe. I thought about Alison Brie, but I feel like she's way too cool and muscular now because of oh, Glow. Oh, because of Glow, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. I don't know. Like, maybe it's because I haven't been around you enough to see, like, just the varying degrees of your emotion. But I don't know. You don't come off as uptight to me. But that's just my personal opinion. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad for that. <laughs> I feel like I am. But okay, that's good. Not, that sounds like you don't believe him. You know. Uh oh. I think. I froze. Sorry about that, guys. It is what it is. You know how it goes. Uh, all right. <laughs> oh, it said you are the host now. Gary is the host now. <laughs> Sorry, that was really confusing. Oh, my gosh. Sorry about that, guys. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's just part it's okay. of the thing. And, yeah, I just yeah. kind of froze. Um, uh, yeah, I mean. That's it. Uh, you know, I was saying earlier, I don't see you as uptight, but, you know. It, Thanks. I'm Thanks. Not, I'm not there 24-7, so, you know. That's true. You're not. <laughs> that is, y'all know who I would cast as the love interest that is not in my memoir because he doesn't exist, but you know. Yeah. He's so very cool. <laughs> yeah. Janie. <laughs> oh. I didn't extend it as long as he did, but. That was marvelous. Ah. Okay. I love that movie, Crazy Stupid Love. So good. It's, it's probably one of the last DVDs I ever bought. <laughs> Me too. I think it might be. Yep. Totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I answer now, Gary? Yeah, go right ahead. Jump right in. Okay. Because I've thought about this probably since I was 12 years old. Maybe 13. Uh, because my, my YA sci-fi uh, book idea kind of was inspired by Knights of the Old Republic video game. And I, I, universe, but I kind of wanted to put this other video game that I obsessed over when I was a kid, Final Fantasy VIII. So I wanted to put those two main characters in my story. So Renoa and Squall are my two people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Squall's just the dead sexiest video game character of all time. Um, Ronoa is not bad looking. I do appreciate another pale face girl. You know, it's just, we got to have camaraderie. Uh, she's over there rocking it 
uh, porcelain doll style. <laughs> I know I am throwing it way back. <laughs> um, so I was thinking, I was like, can I use a video game character to answer who would cast my story? Oh, yeah, who would be in my story? Because if you were going to say, no, it has to be a real person. I did run into an actress that I was like, oh, she looks like a real life version of Renoa. And so um, I had to Google her name because she's not super well known. Uh, Camilla Bell. Uh, if anybody saw the Push movie, or um, what what else was she in? I just looked up her stuff. Um, when a Stranger Calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. horror one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, I think, looks all like super close to the video game character, Renoa. Especially in that movie, Push. Because I think she was wearing, like, she had a dark wig. So, like, long, straight black hair. Maybe some bangs. Um like Renoa has in the game and no one looks good enough to play Squall. So I was thinking if you could mesh late nineties, early 2000, Brendan Fraser with Jason Momoa from Aquaman, like <laughs> somehow make a baby with those two guys. Oh, he'd be pretty tan. That's too tan for Squall. Anyway, but super sexy features like attractiveness of those guys just tone down the skin a little bit. A little lighter, you know. It was made in Japan. They gotta have the the, the light, the fair skinned people. <laughs> Did you see what Melissa put on the chat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll look up memes, and my brother teases me. He um, he'll send stuff back. It's like the cutscenes of Squall are amazing because the cutscenes were mind blowing back in the nineties. It was just the rest of the game time, like when it's everybody super pixelated. <laughs> and he's like, here's Squall. And it was like the super pixelated, like his hair's in three brown squares. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not what I mean. You know what I mean. I mean like the dance scene. Ugh, sweep me off my feet. I see Melissa has a question. Yeah. So it. when I looked up Squall, there were all these images of Squall and Renoa together. That's like a thing, huh? That's the story's um, plot. Like, I thought yeah. there was a knight. Wait, I thought that Renoa was from the Old Republic Knights, whatever. Oh, that no, that was a different video game. So, the Knights of the Old Republic is from the expanded universe of Star Wars, and these two characters, Squall and Renoa, are from the Final Fantasy universe. I told you my nerd colors were going. Okay, I think I just missed part of it because I'm trying to look up these things so that I can know what you're talking about a little bit. Yeah, he is kind of a tough one to place, but um, I'll be thinking about that for you. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yes, yes. Uh, Who didn't go Um, yet? Uh, Oh, sorry, Janie. Did you have anything else to add? Oh no, I'm. I have done embarrassing myself on the nerd level. Allie, did you go? I feel like you didn't. Oh, you did? Okay. No, I'm remembering now. It was Now it's Morgan. What you got, Morgan? And, and then we'll do Natalie because she figured it out. Well, I am writing – I'll just pick my romance novel. I'll just go with that because I'm like, I can definitely put some people in this romance novel, no problem. Yeah. So um, my main characters um, are – it, well, of course, it's a guy and a girl, but um, in my male lead, he doesn't have a name yet. Um, we're just working with S right now. That's all I really have. Okay. It's super boring, but whatever. Um, I would cast him as 
Alexander Skarsgård. Oh. And it also, and it's of course like it's a romance novel. He's beautiful to look at, but it's also because um, the character in my in my novel is also in the military. So if you haven't ever actually seen Skarsgård in Generation Kill, um, it's it's a little difficult to watch because it's, you know, um, in, in the United States invasion of Iraq, but it's a very, very good TV show, and he is excellent in it. Um, and, you know, it's not him being overly sexualized. <laughs> He's just, you know, in a Humvee with a bunch of other guys, but it's really good. And then as my female lead, I would cast Ava Green. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say, I was like, I hope everybody knows Ava Green. I really do hope so. You can't miss her, I feel like, these days. Um, Yeah. Um, So my main character, she is, which she's going under Amelia. So Amelia is a lot younger than S. So there's a dynamic there. But then also, I just really, really like, the persona of matching her with Ava Green because she's introverted, but whenever she is in, like, um, just the spotlight or the attention is turned on her, she can just turn this charm on and become a completely different person. And that plays into the rest of the novel throughout and is kind of like the underlying current of her character. But, um, you know, just Ava Green being so comfortable in all of these roles that are completely different from her personality. And I think that just plays into my character, Amelia, really well. Very nice. Very cool. Natalie, did you want to amend your answer? Yes, I will amend my answer. So for my story, the one that I'm currently working on, the unnamed assassin story, um, I... At first, I was leaning towards Dakota Johnson for my main character, but then I remembered that Anna Popowell exists, and that is who must be my main character, um, because she's got the eyes and everything, and I'm like, there we go. Um, As for the love interest, that's a tough one, because I actually based it on a person I met at a um, restaurant and got their Instagram so I know what they look like. <laughs> um, there's a story involved in that, yes. Um, but I figured, I guess, I think Orlando Bloom would get that one. And then I didn't expect to find my antagonist. Um, that one has to be Chris Hemsworth. Oh. He's such a nice guy, though. <laughs> I think he played a really good bad guy, especially one that plays the field. Like, like he can be good guy when he needs to be, but also bad guy. Just kind of ride that line. Mm. All right. Heck yeah. I'm holding back so many comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good answer. Like, um, we got a few minutes left before it cancels out. Like, I'll, you know, of course, hit you guys up with a link. If you're able to, you can. But I know uh, Nat and Melissa have to jump off pretty soon. But to kind of give my answer, um, for me, it isn't so much because whenever I envisioned the story, I never envisioned it as a live action kind of thing. I've always envisioned it as a 2D animation uh, type of situation uh, in which 
it would I would have to pick the right kind of voice actors. And I do know a few names, but I kind of don't want to use them because they're too well known. But if I was casting it, like uh, for the main protagonist, nothing like it, it would have to be something with like a annoying behind their voice in which uh there's like levity there but also an understanding of like like a cynical kind of joking kind of way of speaking you know in that kind of way but not overtly one way or another just think of like a person in the world who's just a little bit more cynical but also knows how to laugh it off you know who can laugh you know issues off uh the secondary because i guess i have an ensemble cast in my book uh the other I envision him kind of a Steve Rogers type, so like a very clean cut, kind of Chris Evans sounding kind of guy in which like, but the way I was writing him, he's too rigid in his rules where it comes out as a flaw. Like you kind of like, it's a bit of deception on my part. I'm trying to trick you into thinking, wow, this, this is the protagonist. This is the good guy. But then you see his flaws come out when he sticks way too hard to the rules. They're like, oh, maybe he's not the right kind of person. Uh, as far as one of the female leads, uh, I went. I based this off of someone I knew, in which there is a vulnerability there, but there's really her arc is very much. There's a lot of potential there. Like, doesn't have any of the hard edge of the cynic. Isn't so like ardent in rules and whatnot. But you, there's got to be like a feeling of vast potential in there. Like, there's got to be a lot of potential there. You got to feel that in the performance or whatever. And then the other character I have is an older mentor, mentor type, and she has to sound more experienced, more worldly, a uh, bit of a cynical edge, but also kind of whimsical in that kind of delivering. Uh, not crazy. I, like, I've just been thinking about this a lot. And then the final lead is, you. this is where we can have, like, the comedic gruff type, where it's a mix of, like, both comic, but also, like, he's a big guy, and, you know, they just mash that together. So... Yeah, when it comes to casting, I just think of voices rather than faces because I, I want to do it in. If I if I did get lucky enough to have it adapted, I'd want it to be in two D animation, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my answers. And like, <laughs> oh, apparently uh, there's a lot going on in the chat. <laughs> so, Janie, did you find something? I found the guy actor. <gasps> I forgot. I had thought about this a long time ago, and I was like, yeah, he'd be good. So, equivalent to Squall on Hotness, <laughs> he plays Damon Salvatore from Vampire Diaries. Shayla would get behind this because I know how she feels about Ian Summerhalder. Fine! Like, He's I, fine. <laughs> I, I see you when he's like acknowledging and recognition. I don't know who this is, but I'll take your word for it. And he's you great. know who he is. He really he, looks like a vampire. Yeah, he does. It's the eyes. It's it is for <laughs> sure the eyes, but I mean those abs don't hurt either. Like, <laughs> yeah, so he's 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 my squall uh, counterpart to Renoa. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, man! Thank you guys for all these answers. Thank you guys for like answering the questions. Uh, it totally means a lot that you guys were able to hop on. You know, because. We haven't done a pod. The YWS hasn't done a podcast in so long, just mainly for the big, biggest fact. I didn't know how I was going to pull this off, but it's just one of those things you just need to sit down and do it. Number one. But uh, if I could leave you guys with a closing quote, call it a basic quote, and we've all heard this one before. But you know, I, I like to use it because you know we have a lot of time on our hands, and don't beat yourself up if you can't write. Uh, I want to preface that right away because you know stuff is tough. 
But you can always edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page, and that's by Jody Picoult. Um, I hope you know. And this, and I'm speaking to the audience right now. Um, if you're not able to write, don't beat yourself up for it. And if you are, write like the wind. <laughs> you know, do your best. Uh, it's a whole new set of rules out there. Uh, expectations of old are now gone because we don't have that anymore. Um, but yeah, thank you guys again for joining, uh, and thank you guys for listening. Um, I'd like to do this more often if you guys are down, and uh, maybe I'll think about getting a Zoom membership so we won't have to, you know, do it by the clock. Oh, what's up, Melissa? I have a Zoom membership, so we can use mine if needed. Oh, okay, sounds great. I appreciate that. Oh, Nat? <laughs> oh, I was celebrating. I was oh, like, yay! <laughs> Jazz hands. Yes, that's <laughs> All right. Thank you again, guys. Uh, I guess we'll do a collective Thanks. bye, so feel free to unmute yourself. And then uh, that is a goodbye from YWS and all. Thank you so much for the guests coming in. We'll see you next time. Bye. bye. <laughs> Fantastic, guys. My dogs start barking. All right. I, I guess I'm just...